This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Science Notes, a programme on Otago Access Radio brought to you by the Science News and Promotion Group at the University of Otago. Join me, Dave McMorrin, as I chat with graduate science students. We'll find out about their research, why they do science at all, and what music they enjoy. Science Notes, Thursdays from 6.30 till 7pm, only on Otago Access Radio. Well, good evening, and welcome to Science Notes again for another week. My name's Dave McMorrin, and this week we have Caleb Weinfield joining us. Welcome, Caleb. Hi, Dave. Um, Caleb is about halfway through a PhD. Um, I'm about two and a half years in now. Oh, so getting on, in fact, through a PhD in chemistry um, at Otago. Um, he wasn't put off by having to put, have a short period of doing research with me in the past. Um, he's now doing something very different, so we're going to be talking about what he's been up to tonight and how he got there. But we will start with a bit of music that he's brought along. And so the first track is... So this is a song by Joji called Run. Here we go. I fell for your magic I tasted your skin And though this is tragic At least I found the end I witnessed your madness You shed light on my sins And if we share in this sadness
You listen to Science Notes on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM. Where this week we are talking with Caleb Weinfield about his PhD work in chemistry. But before we get into all of that, how is it that you've ended up doing such a thing with your life? That's an interesting question. Um, so I suppose back in high school, if we're going to go back that far, chemistry was like the one thing that I was really, really interested in. You know, it was just the one thing that stuck with me. I wasn't, you know, necessarily the best at it, but it was something that I really, really enjoyed. Um, so I suppose when I came down to university, I did the whole thing where in first year, I didn't take health side um, exactly. I took a lot of the health side papers, but my main focus was, you know, um, doing the first year chemistry papers at Otago and it was just it was it was a completely different style of teaching it was something that I really really enjoyed and it was just something that I could see myself not necessarily being the best at immediately but it was something that was easy for me to work towards so I did my whole undergraduate um, at Otago in our chemistry department. That's quite a focused way of going yeah may I say compared to a lot of people we talk on on the show they come down and they think they're doing a thing and then they do something else I think I don't know I sort of knew what I I, I knew what I enjoyed even back then so I don't know I suppose I just yep boring but that's fine I mean it's lucky not everybody gets not everybody has um it easy to I'm sure there's lots of people who are out of university five years before they realize what they actually liked yeah so I did my undergrad there um worked with you for a wee while um, in my third year and then in my honours year um, I worked with Dave Larson actually in a synthetic lab um, doing similar stuff to what I'm doing now Um, and I obviously liked it enough because I signed up for another three years of organic punishment um, and um, and now two and a half half years into my PhD um, making glycolipids for vaccines. Right, so So you're an organic chemist so you're you're about making molecules that are associated with living things and in particular your molecules are of use for as part of the of of as as a vaccine i'm saying this very badly um your interest is in the immune system and in the way that molecules are part of the way that we have immunity towards disease yes that's right yeah and in particular you're trying to make molecules that work like vaccines Essentially, we're making components of vaccines. So, like I like I sort of said to you earlier, like my main focus as a chem- is as a chemist, not yep. an immunologist. But the molecules that I make are for a very specific purpose, which is for use in vaccines. And we know we're, we're designing them in such a way um, that they activate the immune system in a way that we want them to, so we can use them in these vaccines. So. Vaccines obviously are very topical things at yeah, the moment. Um, given that you've got your your um, organic chemist hat firmly on, um, what is a vaccine? So probably a good place to start with that is well, how does the immune system work in a nutshell? I suppose, yep. and I guess the immune system has two different parts to it. Um, so the first part is what we call our innate immune system. So that's all of the physical sort of barriers that you have on your body, your skin, um, your mucous membranes, etc. Um, these are all the sort of like physical barriers that you have in your body to stop external pathogens or whatever infecting you and making you sick, I suppose. Um, and then you've got what my, my um, molecules are focused on and, and vaccinations are focused on. So that's called your adaptive immune system. Um, and this is 
a whole suite of different cells inside your body, your B cells, your T cells, et cetera, et cetera, your lymphocytes, whatnot. Um, and these are all immune cells that can be trained to specifically target uh, external things like bad things that are inside your body, recognize um, cancerous cells, you know, helps you get better when you're sick, yep. um, et cetera. So what a vaccine is, um, is essentially using a way of activating our adaptive immune system and training it on something um, specific that we can get it to focus on to um, help us get better, I suppose, yeah. depending on the context. Because I suppose fundamentally your 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 immune system is good, but you only it only learns to protect you from a certain thing once you've become infected with that thing. Yes, that's right. And so it would be better if you could get ahead of that. Yeah, essentially. So, and if you catch, let's say, COVID, for example, the process of you getting sick and getting better is essentially your immune system going through a system of iterative processes, which yep. are very complex and over my head, um, to to a large degree. But um, eventually, you are training your body in the process of getting sick to uh, develop. T cells and B cells that are specific to the thing that you've been infected with. So yeah. if we can vaccinate, we're basically doing that process um, for the body without having to get the body sick. Vaccines, typically from a chemist point of view, are very complicated, big, um, elaborate molecules. You're trying what you're trying to do is make a little bit of that sort of thing, aren't you? You're not trying to make the equivalent of the the Pfizer vaccine in the lab. Um, so I'm a carbohydrate chemist, so a big part of my, my project is based around um, a synthetic glycolipid, so that's um, like a sugar attached to a big fatty chain. Um, and the molecule that I'm working on is called a thing called alpha-galsia, and essentially we refer to this as an adjuvant. So um, in vaccines, you have two different parts of the vaccine. You have an adjuvant, which is essentially the thing that um, activates the immune system, right. um, tells the body that there's something that needs to be looked for, there's a danger, and then we have the other part of the vaccine, which is we generally call them antigens. So a, a good way to think of that is essentially just as a some kind of marker that would be, you know, if you have cancer, for example, if we could vaccinate against cancer, cancer cells might have specific markers on their surface. So we might be able to make those markers in the lab and combine that antigen marker with um, an adjuvant part and combine them together to activate the immune system and train it to target, let's say, cancer, for right. example. So the antigen would, would, like, stick to the cancer. Yeah. And yeah. then the adjuvant part would be the part that would drag in the T cells or whatever Correct. to do its business on the cancer cell. Yes, right. that's right. Cool. So that's, so that's what you're trying to make, then. You're trying to make these alpha-galsia molecules. Yep. Um, which have a specificity then for a particular disease? Um, so this is the thing. Um, like I said about the antigen part, so what I make, I make the, the adjuvant, and what we do is we attach that chemically to the antigen component that we're right. trying to vaccinate against. So the thing about my vaccines is that that antigen part, you can swap it out for essentially anything, well, within reason. Um, so the cool thing about our vaccines is depending on what you combine um, our adjuvants with, you can 
vaccinate against a bunch of different things. Uh, we can use it for cancer. Let's say we use the spike protein from COVID-19 or mm-hmm. something. You could potentially, I'm not saying that anybody's yep. done this yet, but potentially vaccinate against something like COVID. Um, people have even used it for, interesting enough, um, as a uh, as a smoking cessation aid. So people have combined nicotine as an antigen um, with my molecule, alpha, well, some yeah. molecules to what I make. Um, and essentially what, what they've shown before is that you can make um, B cells specific to nicotine. So if somebody smokes a cigarette um, and you've already vaccinated against the nicotine antigen, you've got all of these antibodies floating around in your blood and they'll mop up any nicotine after somebody smokes a cigarette or whatever so it never gets to the receptors that it was going to get to in the first place. Which in turn leads to the addiction. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So then does this imply that your adjuvant always harnesses the same sort of the T cells or B cells or something or does that change as well depending on which target your your vaccines after? Uh, it really depends what uh, the antigen is that you're combining right. with okay. alpha gals yep. here. So um, we can use different types of adjuvants and other fancy chemical things that we include in our vaccines um, to recruit different types of immune cells. So a big focus of my project um, in particular is with B cells. So we want to be able to harness B cells to make antibodies um, to different kinds of diseases. Um, but like a large a lot of the background with the molecules I work on was with um, T cells activating, uh, well, they're called INK T cells, um, and that's essentially making cells that are specific to uh, certain pathogens or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, well, activating immune cells to attack things rather than activating B cells that make antibodies that attack right. things. Right, okay. So they're, they're, they're doing similar things, but B cells and T cells are doing similar things but in different ways. Yep. Okay, and so the the antigen part then, I I may have misunderstood when we were talking earlier, but is this the bit that's the, that's the the peptides? Yeah, yeah. So little yeah. bits of proteins that yeah. you can attach. Yeah. So they're generally, so we we can um like I suppose with the cancer example that I was talking about before, um, so I suppose the dream in a lot of ways is the sort of vaccines that I work on. Perhaps if we were going to use them um, for a cancer approach, is we could potentially make uh, tailored vaccines for an individual. So not right. everybody's so cancer is exactly the same. Um, everybody's cancer might have different markers, chemical markers on their surface. If you could identify an individual's cancer's markers and then we could make those markers synthetically in a lab and include them in the sort of vaccines that I make, you could have almost a tailored approach right. to um, treating uh, an individual's um, cancer. Yeah, because I was going to ask you that. The, I mean, I've seen pictures of your molecules. That <laughs> they they scare the pants off me. The sorts of things that you make, they must they can't be straightforward to make. And me so too, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder whether what the, what the benefit is to doing it this way rather than to just a traditional vaccine. But obviously, one of them is is this personalised um, this ability to personalise almost the vaccine to an individual once you know the specific disease that they've got. Yep. So, yeah, so there's that. There's the tailored approach that you can use to it. Also, uh, the, the glypocalibid that I work on, it's not, um, it's not something that has been like... There's definitely clinical trials um, and whatnot going on 
with these sort of molecules, um, but it's not like a widely manufactured or we're still at like a very, um, I suppose, relatively early stage yeah. with it, I suppose. Um, but also the other cool thing with what I do um, is in generally in vaccines, your um, adjuvant and your antigen component um, are separate, like chemically separate. Right. Um, so if you inject it into a patient, they're kind of just floating around in the bloodstream until they get to where they need to go. Um, but with my vaccines, uh, the adjuvant and the antigen are actually chemically linked together. Um, and the idea behind us doing this is that instead of having two things just kind of floating around and you hope they go where they need to go, we have both things chemically connected that go to the right place yep. where they're eventually cleaved when they get to the right place by cellular machinery. So you get co-delivery of both components. Right. Um, and the reason why people haven't done that before is just because synthetically that's hard? or um, People definitely have done it before, just not necessarily on the system. Right, okay, on. cool. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so, and there's like a couple different benefits to doing it this way. It's, like I say, you... you increase the potency of the vaccine if you're getting go both things going to where they need to go to um, and also you're limiting other side effects yep. of the vaccine yep. by including different things to get things to go where they need to go rather than you know being toxic to other cells in your body I suppose yeah and I suppose that's from from this is I'm, it's not my game but from what I, I, I see from a distance it seems to be one of the, the two things that people are trying to do more and more of now is a have this personalized medicine type thing where rather than just having a pill that you give it to anybody with the same disease and assume it's going to have the same effect um but also this idea of being much more specific in how you deliver the drugs because of course with cancer this is the whole chemotherapy thing isn't it the mm -hmm. reason why you get sick is because the drugs are killing the cancer cells but or your healthy cells as well yeah and so you're just hoping that that you get the cancer cells done first um, yeah. And you know that depending on the cancer, that can that can work or it can be less successful. So, being having a way to specify where the drugs are going is a much cleverer way to do it, and that's where a lot of the research is now, isn't yeah. it? And there's a lot of various different things that we're um, hoping to do, and people are doing in the area that I'm working in to be more specific about where these drugs are going and how they're delivered in the body and whatnot. Um, but like I say, a lot of my stuff is more making them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. the immunologists and stuff can only <laughs> test the molecules once they've got the molecules. That's right. So us yeah. chemists are still important. Yeah. Um, what does a typical day in the lab look like for an organic chemist like you? I mean, again, I look at these molecules and they scare me. Uh, but people out there probably don't know what's involved in making a molecule. Um. Organised chaos, yeah. I suppose. Um, I don't know, it's a bit of a learning curve. Um, you know, I have a rule, which I was saying to you earlier, I think like doing organic chemistry, a good rule to follow, and I don't know if everybody would agree with this, but you hope to, in a week, you know, put on five reactions, hopefully purify at least five reactions, and then you hope by the end of your PhD that you end up with a lot of things made and a lot of things to talk about. So I guess in the lab, yeah, I'm, I'm hopefully getting in early, not every day, but hopefully getting in early, putting on some reactions. Um, I just said to you this morning about me doing some columns yep. at seven this morning. <laughs> um, I remember fondly those purifying, days. <laughs> purifying things, analysing things. Yeah. We're very fortunate in our lab. We have some big fancy pieces of equipment that um, called an HPLC. 
um, and an LCMS, which essentially like you can put crude reaction mixtures through, um, and they will tell you basically a breakdown of all of the different products all and the their ratios made. that are yeah. inside a reaction mixture. Um, so lots of analytical work too, yeah. And and for one of your molecules, how many steps? Because it's not just a matter of mixing everything together and do and heating it, and then magic happens. You got to do a thing, and then make a thing, and then use it to make another thing, and use it to make another thing, and use it to make another thing. I haven't really thought about this, but like Sorry. since we make the <laughs> no, no, it's it's, an, it's like an interesting thought. But it's like um, I make my things um, separately, so I make different like components yeah. of the big things that I'm making, and then I clip them all together at the end. But I suppose if you were gonna if you were gonna look at it cumulatively maybe one of my big constructs um probably upwards of like 40 50 synthetic yeah, steps yeah so this is the thing this is how you use it three years and yeah no this is definitely it, and if it's all new things that people haven't done before and you have to work out how, how to do it and this is what i say it's a lot of work it scares me sometimes <laughs> looking at these things <laughs> so you're two and a half years in yeah so you're almost finished yeah what next I think I said a wee while ago when I was having a chat to a friend about this, um, you know, I'd be happy doing anything after this so long as somebody still lets me get in the lab and do chemistry. Like, that's something that I really, really enjoy. Um, I'd really miss it if I just left and moved on to something else. So um, I'm not sure what the future holds necessarily. There's, 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 There's definitely a bunch of different ways that I could go with it. I could... You know, I've had friends who have recently graduated and moved on to overseas um, and work for companies, pharmaceutical companies and whatnot. And then I also know a lot of people that have gone and got postdocs um, at different universities or whatever. Um, so I don't know. I'm, no. I'm still kind of. I'm still kind of. still ideally a lab coat in your future. Yes. Yeah. Just not sure where. Absolutely. Cool. Well, all the best for the very soon writing up. And um, and for whatever's next, and thanks for coming along and talking to us um, this time. And thank you all out there for listening. I can just remind you that this show is on again next week at the same time, and then you can enjoy it as, at your leisure as a podcast from the Otago Access Radio website, which is www.oar.org.nz. We will finish with Caleb's second piece of music, which is... Uh, it's a song called Smoke by a band called Paris. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone.
Science Notes, a program on Otago Access Radio, brought to you by the Science News and Promotion Group at the University of Otago. Join me, Dave McMorran, as I chat with graduate science students. We'll find out about their research, why they do science at all, and what music they enjoy. Science Notes, Thursdays from 6.30 till 7pm, only on Otago Access Radio. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.